0: Entertaining? Yes. A revelatory? At times? Yes. A happy ending for Stanford? No. Cardinal fans didn't get everything that they wanted, and we're going to break it down here as we sift through the rubble in the aftermath of an entertaining but ultimately futile evening for the Stanford Cardinal. On Saturday night. It is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the show. It is Sunday, October 28th, 2018. And we're going to spend today breaking down Stanford's 41-38 loss to the Washington State Cougars. What a game. What a game that was. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. I'm Detroit Clarity. Year number 26 following the Stanford Cardinal. And looking forward to seeing how things shake out as we start to head off into November, starting off with a critical game up in Seattle. Uh, you're going to hear from Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello. You're going to hear from Stanford outside linebacker Jordan Fox. And you're going to hear from Stanford cornerback Elijah Holder. Those three young men will help me break down what we saw on Saturday night between Stanford and Washington State at stake. In this game, as we talked about last week, suddenly, all of a sudden, a game that, that we didn't think would be quite as important, very important at the start of the season, pretty much had control of the Pac-12 North riding on it. And Washington State able to get some, some plays down the stretch. We'll talk about that in a couple of moments and get the 41-38 win getting the game-winning field goal with 19 seconds left. Stanford with a chance, uh, but they could not get uh, inside the Cougar territory and could not set things up for a potential game-tying field goal, nor could they take a shot at the end zone themselves. So Stanford now falls to 5-3 and three on the season. They now have two losses in conference play. And now Washington State runs the North, while the Cardinal need help to stay in the race for the Pac-12 championship game on November the 30th. And, and and coming into the game and you might have seen this on Twitter, certainly if you follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity, you would have you would have seen this as I had, you know, a couple of thoughts pre-game, but you know, you usually coming into every Stanford football game between a close win and a close loss and a blowout win and a blowout loss I can usually rule out at least one of those outcomes. I can usually say, okay, this would surprise me from Stanford today. I had no idea which way this was going to go. There was no possible outcome, final outcome, I should say, that would have surprised me between Stanford and Washington State last night. There was no real, you know, if if Stanford came out, you know, guns blazing. And, and, and took on and, and, and wiped out a Washington State team, a Washington State squad that, that, that perhaps was feeling an emotional hangover after Coug Stock was a rousing success the week before, that wouldn't have surprised me. If Washington State had come in and shredded the Cardinal from start to finish on a big win over Stanford, that wouldn't have surprised me either. I didn't know what we would get, but I knew that we would know what we would know Early on, you know, I, I knew that we would figure things out pretty quickly and decide which way things were going to go. And as it turned out, that ended up being the case. But a close result is what we ended up getting. And this game, in my mind, changed on third and two from the Washington State 33. Twice. Exact same situation is when this game changed on two separate occasions. Let me take it to the first time. Stanford up 28-14. Last minute of the second quarter, Cardinal were rolling. They had they had unveiled an offensive efficiency and an offensive philosophy that, that we largely had not seen to this point in the season. I'd never seen Todd Huzak, the Stanford radio color commentator, so happy as he stood next to me in the radio booth. More on Stanford's offensive philosophy coming up in a couple minutes, but, but Stanford was up 28-14 to last minute of the second quarter, and Washington State facing third and two from its own 33. Gardner Minshew, the Washington State quarterback, connects with Jameer Calvin on a short pass over the middle. The catch itself would have gotten the first down. But Malik Antoine gambled a little bit and then couldn't hang on to Calvin And then Calvin just broke free. Shimmy shook a couple of other tacklers. And then went 54 yards out of bounds. And then that set the stage for a field goal that at that point made it 28-17 at the end of the half. Stanford still with the lead, but Washington State with a little bit of momentum. A little bit of momentum. I still have some questions as to whether the clock should have expired on the play immediately before Washington State's field goal. Five seconds seems like like an awfully long time for Minshew to look off two receivers and then float one to the back of the end zone. I'll admittedly need to take a second look at that if I can, and I might revise that. But as of right now, there were five seconds on the clock when that final play started, and there was only one second on the clock when it ended. I question that. But that allowed Washington State to kick the field goal to make it 28-17. But, but that 54-yard catch and run and scamper by Jameer Calvin opened up the door. For the Cougs to get points before heading into the locker room at the half and gave them a little life and set the stage for, for what turned out to be a fast and furious second half and a masterful performance by Gardner Minshew of the Cougs. But that was the first time that this game changed on third and two from the Washington State 33. The second time happened with 103 to go in the game and the game tied at 38 apiece. Washington State facing third and two from its own 33. Man coverage. And Minshew floats one down the seam. And somehow Jameer Calvin comes down with it. The 35-yard grab. Minshew, the drop in the bucket. Calvin was well covered. Was well covered. But sometimes you you, you just tip your cap to the other team. Because remember, they're trying to win too. That set the stage for the go-ahead and the game-winning field goal. The Cougs get it with 19 seconds to go, and they get the 41-38 win. The game changed on third and two from the Washington State 33, and it happened twice. More on Minshew's night in a couple minutes. And there there were plays to make defensively. For Stanford defensively. There, there are a lot of plays to make. They just didn't make him over the game's final 31 minutes. A lot of missed tackles. Uh, Washington State running back James Williams fumbled the ball early in the third quarter. There were three red shirts around him. But Williams somehow was able to catch it back on the bobble. Boy, that would have been large if Stanford had been able to recover that one. But there were plays to make defensively for Stanford. They could not and did not do it. That's why Jordan Fox was a little bit subdued and a little bit frustrated as I talked with him after the game. Jordan Fox helping to help the Cardinal account for the absence and the injury to now Joey Alfieri as he's on the shelf. It was Casey Tuhill, uh, who was out for a couple of weeks or so. But uh, Jordan Fox and Gabe Reed, both of those young men have, have had flashes and, and they've shown some things. But Jordan Fox, a little frustrated. You could tell when I was talking to him after the game in the Stanford locker room. And the first thing that that Jordan and I talked about was what Stanford head coach David Shaw told the fellas in the locker room after that result.
1: After Coach Shaw talked to us, he said, this is one of the best games we've played as a team collectively. And um, we all felt that Um, the effort was extremely high. And he said, if we play like this, uh, we won't lose another, another game. So just keep going back to work on Monday, get back to the drawing boards and keep working.
0: Jordan, overall defensively, yeah. what worked out there tonight? What yeah. could have gone better?
1: Jordan.
0: Uh, I would definitely say a couple, maybe,
1: Missed tackles. Um, we missed a couple of tackles when they did catch the ball. Um, those short routes, uh, all all over the field as a defense. I would definitely say that's something that we got to work on. Coming back in on Monday, um, we're definitely going to clean that up. Uh, just little execution errors um, here and there, but that's all within their scheme. But uh, I would just say, I would just say, as of all making more plays um, when the ball's in the air. And making more plays on the ball, being closer to the receiver, being closer to the quarterback, um, getting strip sacks, and being all, all as a whole defense, top to bottom, starting from D-line up into the secondary, um, how, how
0: we can make more plays in the game to impact the game. You've had big plays throughout the course of the season in spelling Joey Alfieri and Casey Tuhill. Overall, how have things gone for you so far this year in your mind?
1: Yeah, just... A process, um, getting better each and every day, um, learning from those old guys, uh, but more and more game experience, seeing different things, moving differently. uh, So just getting comfortable out there and just being the player that I can be. What's your sense of how guys are feeling in the locker room right now? I mean, it's a tough loss, um, tough loss. You know, uh, we control our own destiny going to the Pac-12, and we knew that coming into this game. So it's devastating right now.
0: That's Jordan Fox, who had six tackles and hurried the quarterback for Washington State three times. And he says it was devastating in the immediate aftermath of the game, which I'm sure it was. And I'm sure they're not thrilled about things right now, the morning after, or now the afternoon after. But this program does have a tendency in an act to put things behind them and to recover quickly. So we'll see if that trend continues and, and, and holds forth. And I think certainly uh, the resolve that, that this team ideally and I think hopefully has, I think you're going to hear that uh, certainly uh, in the in the words uh, of the next two uh, young men you're going to hear from, from Stanford football throughout the remainder of the tree cast. But, but yeah, Stanford had plays out there to make in the second half. They just could not quite make them. That said, Gardner Minshew, my God, I, that, that kid's the deal. He's the deal. He's the truth. He's the real deal. And there were times, and look, it's, it's why I did not say in the immediate aftermath of the Oregon game that Justin Herbert was the real deal because Stanford didn't get any pressure on Herbert at all. Any quarterback can, can look like Dan Marino out there when they're not getting pressured at all. Things have changed for Justin Herbert and the Ducks of late, haven't they? So, Herbert's good, but I, was, I wasn't I was quite ready to call him the real deal. I'm still not. Gardner Minshew pressured a bit more than Herbert was by Stanford. Minshew had to work a bit more. Stanford's defense made Minshew work more than they certainly made Herbert did. And Minshew had, had some moments. Had some moments where, you know, I mean, Thomas Booker got a sack early on. Many times, especially in the first half, Minshew's first read was not there. So Minshew had to move on, was forced out of the pocket. But Minshew's day overall, good grief. That, that is as impressive a quarterbacking exhibition as, I have, as I've seen with my two eyes against a Stanford squad. And I've seen a few. <laughs> I've seen a few, unfortunately. But, but that is right up there, right up there. Minshew on the night, 40 of 50 for 438 yards, three touchdowns and no picks. But his second half, his second half, was a thing of beauty. Gardner Minshew completed his first 19 passes of the second half. His first 19 passes, doing so for 178 yards and a touchdown. His first incompletion of the second half, Was a botched shovel pass. Minshew made smart plays under pressure. Showed a very good pocket sense. Zipped one to Tay Martin. That that tied it up at 31 in the fourth quarter. That was an absolute dart by Minshew. Making all the throws. Varying velocities. Varying release points. And that throw on third and two on the Cougs' final drive that worked for 35 yards right down the seam, that was money. That was money. That was an absolute dime. Gardner Minshew was incredible, terrific, fantastic. He's the real deal. He's also the third quarterback to complete at least 75% of his passes against Stanford. Minshew, 80% right on the nose. Tyler Huntley of Utah A tick under 81%, if memory serves me correctly. And Justin Herbert, 78%. Ian Book from Notre Dame, not far behind. He completed almost 73% of his passes. But we're putting the bar at 75%. It is extremely rare that you get quarterbacks, even in this day and age, where where, where the completion percentage just is such a watered-down stat, it's still pretty darn tough to complete 75% of your passes. Stanford's allowed three has allowed it to happen three times this year. Three times. You'll hear from Elijah Holder coming up a bit later on in the show. But from Gardner Minshew, Washington State's quarterback, to Stanford's quarterback, KJ Costello, he had a fantastic day too. As he finished up 34 43, 323 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Did have a fumble in the first quarter that allowed Washington State uh, to get an easy score uh, in the first quarter and take an early 14-7 lead. But overall, Costello made plays when he needed to. Made big throws when he needed to. Made small throws when he needed to. And he needed to because that was the game plan. They were putting it all in K.J. Costello's hands. Stanford threw the ball on 12 of its first 13 plays. Are you kidding me? 12 of its first 13 plays were passes for Stanford and KJ Costello. And at one point in the game, Costello had 14 straight completions. Let's listen into Costello's post game availability in its entirety. And it starts with KJ being asked about his emotions as we all stood there right after the 41-38 loss to Washington State.
2: Man, I mean, uh, you know, me and Coach Pritchard and the quarterbacks, um, you know, had a surreal moment in terms of just we worked so hard during the week um, being process-oriented and seeing uh, growth in so many areas, but not getting the win is a re- it's a really tough feeling. Um, but it's part of life, you know, I think. As a unit, we grew a lot closer as a team, but really offensively um, with the wideouts. I mean, running backs doing their job, um, taking what the defense was giving us. We really, we really did what we've been working on for a long time. And it's, you guys have all seen it for a while. We've been waiting for it. And for it to kind of be hitting all night was a great feeling, even though there was a couple third downs that were huge, that fourth down. But that's part of it, every game. Um, you're going to come across those situations. Um, but to fire back with everybody to have the will to fire back and, and go back at it for, you know, a two-minute drive to potentially get us back on on track um, was just, I mean, an incredible feeling as an offense. I mean, we've got guys fighting, Kate going down, barely move his shoulder, gets back up. You know, safety still respects him down the middle, therefore, J.J. is open. Rice is fighting, can barely walk. You know, I'm out there fighting. I mean, it's just an incredible um, feeling to be out there with a bunch of guys that are going until, you know, the very end. This passing game was quite a reversal of uh, form for Stanford. Uh, and you obviously knew all week that you were going to be airing it out. What was your reaction to that? I mean, you know, my philosophy every week is is to take coaching in, be very open and vulnerable in terms of understanding their message and what, we, what they want me to do. And then my job is to go and execute at the best of my ability. Um, you know they called on me early to get us in a rhythm, and um, you know I was grateful for that call. And I think we all answered it um, in a great way. We started feeling ourselves early. We've been we've been asking ourselves to feel that way for what eight weeks now, and we finally got in that rhythm early. And I think it's a uh, it's it's a great feeling moving forward with that, with still so much room for growth. Would you like to see this kind of passing game continue? Going forward? Uh, every week in the Pac-12, defensive coordinators change their looks up. It's, it's, it's going to be whatever the defense is calling for.
0: Jesse Brickett talked about how the pace and how quickly you
3: guys were getting the line helps you guys dissect everything from their movement up front to their
0: entire coverages. Um, how important that was to getting into a rhythm?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously we're not out here trying to give away our hand, but we're going we're gonna to try and get them to show their hand, but we're also going to go up there and we're going to snap the ball when they're not ready. We did a combination of both tonight. I mean, we were winning the chess match pre-snap, post-snap, and, it, you know, Jess was right. We were getting them to show their hand. And once again, we do so much work in the offseason. We saw it late in the drive after three, four plays. You know, the, the opposition was starting to get tired, and that's where we, you know, kind of smile, and we really love being in those situations.
0: You had a career high in completions, over 300 yards passing, four touchdowns, but when you look at the final scoreboard and you shake your head and think, what do we have to do to match their offensive firepower?
2: I mean you know when you play washington state especially under coach leach um you know i'm not surprised you know by the by it turning into a you know air raid versus air raid type game or off you know big numbers versus big numbers because they do that every week to a lot of teams um you know i knew that it, it was going to call on us to you know fire back cuz they were going to take a lot of shots and i think we did that as well but you know football's a team game that's why people call it you know one of the best best team games ever because no one guy, no 11 guys are going to win the game. And, and, you know, we saw that tonight, and uh, we're ready to get back to the drawing board tomorrow. How do you
0: feel this team executed you know, for the full, full quarter?
2: <sighs> you know, I mean, I think we executed at a very, very high level. I think there's, in every game, I mean, I can pinpoint every game I've played since I've been here where there's four, five, six plays that are just, just so natural to a game in which they can go either way. And, um, you know, tonight uh, there's a big fourth down there. Um, which we then ended up coming firing back after they scored. But, I mean, still those situations are so crucial, and I want to get better and better at those.
0: Yeah, can you take us through that fourth down play?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw everything pretty clearly, to be completely honest. They're playing Tampa 2, dropping out eight guys, Um, you know, maybe even nine, hardly rushing two, three guys, Um, playing right, you know, essentially into our hand. Um, It's where i got to be, you know, ultra-decisive. Um, you know, they're dropping a lot of guys out in, into a lot of holes. We I gotta trust my guys to find holes and if I if they don't find a hole, I gotta use my legs. Um, and so that's that's what that happened that's what happened there. The
0: second channel yeah. where you come out and make some plays with your legs and not just your arm. How's it? that adjustment been you know, what kind of Yeah, it's down? been
2: on the it's been on my goal sheet. I mean, you know, we're all battling out here, you know, we're all battling through injuries as part of the game and uh, you know, defensive coordinators were challenging me to do that, and uh, I saw that clear as day and you know, put it down on the goal sheet, and, um, you know, we've, we've made it happen. We're two for two in the past two weeks, and look forward to doing that the, the rest of the way.
1: This is the first time you guys lost. That means that you no longer will control your own destiny, but, you know, a couple losses, you still have that kind of to look forward to as an objective. But does that make this loss even tougher tonight now?
2: Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, I, you know, I approached the team early in the week and told them the feeling of playing this game with how much we sacrifice. Controlling your own destiny is all you can ask for. As soon as you can't control your destiny, it's it's very very hard. It takes true character and integrity to fight at the same level at which when you do control your destiny. So I believe these guys, you know, will do do exactly what we did last week. Um, But that is a great question because uh, you know you do have a decision to make at that point.
0: Well, he never lacks for confidence, does he? That's KJ Costello, the Stanford quarterback who was fantastic against the Washington State Cougars. An interesting way to end. Um, that chat with his assertion that, you know, if the Cardinal no longer controlling its own destiny is now the Cougs hold all the cards as of right now in the Pac-12 North uh, that some guys are going to have to make a choice as to whether they're going to want to continue to sacrifice and give up, be willing to pay the price uh, to, uh, to be able to, to stay uh, in this Pac-12 North race. I, I found that a little, Eyebrow raising on, on, on some level uh, from Costello there uh, to, to end things at the, at, the, at, the, at the very bit. Now, he, he did say that you know, he feels confident that the, that the guys will make the right choice. And yes, it is a choice. I mean, look, what's Stanford going to do? They got to they head up to Seattle next week. Can't, can't get sick. Can't get the measles. Huskies have their own problems, by the way. More on that uh, in, in a few minutes. But you know, So I, I guess he's right in the sense that, yeah, it is a choice. Now that Stanford no longer controls its own destiny, as, as far as the Pac-12 North is concerned, is, is Stanford going to, to fall off a cliff, as some teams appear to have? <coughs> or are they going to stay in it? Are they going to do the mental things, from a preparation standpoint, and from a psychological standpoint, to stay in this thing? To do, to continue to do, to do what it can to be a factor in the Pac 12 North. So I found that, that last little response interesting. But, but overall, the story of this game from Stanford's standpoint was the offense. Right from jump, Stanford opened it up. They went no huddle. They got to the line of scrimmage quickly after plays ended. They ran out routes. They got numerous different receivers involved. Stanford Stanford had seven different guys with receptions in this game, six of them, I believe, in the first half. Stanford eschewed the, the ground and pound that it has become famous and in some instances infamous for. And David, David Shaw in his postgame presser after the game said that look, part of it was, was was due to the personnel. Without Nate Herbig, makes it a little bit more difficult to, to, try to, to try to maul the opponents and beat them into submission. And with Bryce Love, not 100%. And apparently not getting any closer to 100% every single week. He's limping off the field every time out. But they finally decided to, hey, throw caution to the wind. Put the ball in KJ Costello's hands. You got the, you got the weapons outside. You got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside who had 10 catches for 111 yards and two scores. You got Caden Smith. Boy, how many catches, clutch catches, did he come up with against the Cougs? Overall, he had nine of them for 112 yards and a score. Trenton Irwin has become even more dependable now as the season has gone along, as hard as it might be to believe. Irwin had eight catches for 80 yards. More passes to the running backs as well. Bryce Love had four catches. So you saw Stanford take an entirely different approach that appeared to be completely antithetical to what the Cardinal seemingly have been about, certainly for at least the last year and a half or so, at least. And they committed to it right from the jump. Stanford started fast. They got 14 points in the first quarter. And it was was something that David Shaw explained to us was born from... From how things went up in Pullman last year, where Stanford just just didn't seem to be willing to reach for for a knockout punch to ratchet up the tempo at all, and to use its best weapons, they seemed to kind of keep things in the holster. And after that very day, David Shaw said, "Okay, let me, let me put that in my back pocket because after we come at these guys next year, we're we're going to we're going to completely change things around." So he he told us that. The game plan for this year's Cougs matchup was born in the immediate aftermath of the la- of the loss last year in Pullman. Part of that makes me say, well, well, shoot, how come that hasn't been more of the game plan for much of the year, period? <laughs> I understand if they didn't try to do it last year because Bryce Love was in the meet- it was 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 on his way to having a historical season. But this year, after perhaps seeing that they were going to put defense we're going to put 27 guys in the box? Why not try to do things earlier? So, But I digress. But Stanford started fast, as we mentioned. They only went to third and long once in the game. Third down and nine yards or more just once. And it was in the fourth quarter. Stanford did a lot of things right, a lot more things right, a lot of things that they should have been doing right a lot earlier in the season. And it almost worked. It almost worked. It almost ended up with the win. It almost got there. Stanford was right there. That was the overwhelming feeling in the locker room after the game. Elijah Holder, one of the leaders of the Stanford defense, the Stanford secondary. Interesting night for him. Missed much of the second quarter, it seemed as Obi Abo uh, got a lot of the playing time in that second quarter. And then the Koog spent much of the third quarter targeting Elijah with success as they're in their comeback mode. But the whole we-were-right-there sentiment was echoed by Elijah Holder. My conversation with number thirteen, Elijah Holder. Elijah, what's your sense of where this team is psychologically right now after a oh, result where you put forth the effort, you had the coups right or you wanted them, but they were able to pull it through at the end.
3: I feel like we all understand what we can do. And I feel like that's been a thing this whole year. We all know what we can do. We all know the talent we have. We all know, you know, the experience we all have, you know. Um, we just gotta put it together and I feel like tonight we 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 step closer to doing that. And I feel like we were right there and we had the chance, you know, we had opportunities to make the plays and, you know, to secure the outcome of this game. Um, But, I mean, obviously we're not there yet. And I feel like this upcoming week should – I feel like it will only get better because I feel like we've been inching, inching, grinding, grinding every week, every week just getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And I feel like this has been the best game we've played yet as far as, you know, maximum effort and everybody just giving their best and really investing – so I only see it going, you know, I see the, the trajectory of our team. And, you know, this, this right now seems like a speed bump to us. Um, but
0: I, I really do expect the rest of this season to go our way. How did the Gardner Minshew that you guys saw on tape match up with the Gardner Minshew that you guys saw out there on the, on the actual field tonight?
3: It was exactly the same. Uh, he did a good job keeping drives alive, keeping plays alive. Uh, when he didn't see his first look, you know, he'd backpedal if he'd try to find somebody open. You know, so a couple of times we capitalized on that, you know, getting uh, to getting throw of the ball away. And some other times, you know, we had a guy loose, one man, you know, not doing his job. And then he capitalized on that. So it was a back and forth the whole way. And, he, I mean, w- they were what we saw on tape. It, was just, uh, it just, ca- just came down to execution. Well, now you
0: got the Huskies. They're going to be a bit mad themselves next week, losing to Cal this week. Your overall thoughts on what's on the table for both squads up in Seattle next week?
3: It's going to be, it's going to be a fight. I mean, we're both hungry. We both are coming off a loss that I know, I know they expected to win that game. I know they know they should have won that game. We have the same sentiments, and we're, I already know we're going to be, we're both going to be coming out swinging. You know, swinging hard, and you know we both. Contenders for that Pac-12 championship, that Pac-12 North, uh, you know, uh, title. So it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a gritty game. Is my is my thoughts. So it'll
0: be Elijah, fun. thanks as always. Yeah, Yeah, that's Elijah Holder, and just like last week's game didn't mean what we thought it was going to mean at the start of the season. Suddenly, this week's game against the Washington Huskies doesn't quite mean what we thought it would either. As most of us thought that heading into the season, Washington-Stanford would decide who wins the Pac-12 North. Now it decides who gets to stay in the race or who gets to start thinking about making plans for the, for the cheese it Bowl or something like that. But, but it is going to be a very intriguing road ahead for Stanford from here, at washington Huskies, of course, as as we've hinted at throughout the course of this program, they got their own problems. Cal did not score an offensive touchdown against the Huskies yesterday, and the Bears still won without a quarterback. Stanford has a quarterback. Huskies went nowhere offensively against the Bears. So who knows what kind of mindset the Huskies are going to be in this week against Saturday, against Stanford, are they going to be mad? Are they going to be on fire? Are they going to be bummed out and checked out? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. And as much as I and I've, I've talked about this throughout the course of the season, that, look, Washington hasn't looked like a bunch of world beaters so far this year, and they certainly don't right now. Washington is perhaps at its very most beatable. For Stanford coming into this season, still won't be easy. Still will not be easy. Although the Cardinal have had some some pretty good success up at that stadium over the past decade or so, after not after not winning there from what like nineteen seventy five to like two thousand six maybe. <laughs> for Stanford's only win in Seattle, only win that season, hmm. but Washington still won't be easy. I have no idea what to make of Oregon State after they were down by 28 points at Colorado, came back and won anyway? The beeves, Do I really need to, to reassess what they're all about? Don't know. Don't know right now. That might not be as easy as we thought it might be. Heck, even, even 72, days, 72 hours ago. Cal? At Cal? And UCLA? At UCLA. Four games left for Stanford to write the ship and to get win and to get wins. I feel weird saying that they need to write the ship. They've they've they they won. They, they, they split their last couple of meetings. They, they won last week at Arizona State. They almost won this week against Washington State. But four games left that suddenly look a lot different now than they did a couple days ago. Pac-12 is wacky like that. One more quick note. Trevor Spates, you might have seen him come off the field uh, late in the game, uh, holding holding one of his arms after a carry in the, in the fourth quarter. Don't know his status yet. I'm sure that uh, David Shaw will elaborate and tell us what he wants to tell us about the injury, quite honestly, on Tuesday uh, during his weekly press conference. But that could be big. That could be big with Bryce Love, Clearly not 100% and not getting any healthier by the day. And with Cameron Scarlett, I mean, can you bank on him being your your every down back? No, I, I don't think so. Not at this point anyway. Trevor Spates, important not only as a ball carrier, but perhaps even more importantly, in pass protection. Spates, fantastic in pass pro this year. But if he is unavailable, particularly for this week, that is going to be problematic, I think, for Stanford, especially if they're going to be on this go, 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 pass, pass, pass kind of mentality. So that, I think, is, is the one thing that I will be watching, above all else, at this point, uh, early in this week as we start to get ready for the Washington Huskies. What's the health of Trevor Spates? So a lot of questions left to be solved for the final four games of the regular season. It all starts this Saturday against the Washington Huskies. And on our next TreeCast, later on this week, we will break that game down in much, much more detail. Matter of fact, the TreeCast will be at Husky Stadium this Saturday. Looking forward to bringing my rain gear for that one. I looked at the weather forecast. It's going to be rainy and low 50s. (laughs) A 6 p.m. kickoff on the Pac-12 network on Saturday between Stanford and Washington. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Get my Facebook page a lot, too, while you're at it. Troy Clarity TV on Facebook.com. And also, subscribe, rate, and review. All these TreeCasts are available via Apple Podcasts and iTunes. So subscribe, rate, and review the show there. Always appreciate you taking the time out to, to do just that. Looking forward to being back at you later on this week to talk a little Cardinal and to talk a little Huskies. Winner of this one at least keeps hope alive for for an appearance in the Pac-12 championship game at Levi Stadium later on in November. Until then, don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. And we will catch you next time. This has been the TreeCast with Troy Clarity.